and welcome back to another thrilling episode of Thoughts While I Drive to Work. I am back from my hunting trip and uh, family vacation and also where I spoke at a youth retreat. And uh, it was a great time. We all had a good time. Uh, nobody got hurt. We, uh, lots of family fun was had. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just had some gunk in my throat first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, also, want to give a shout out to, I looked at uh, the podcast when I got back from hunting, and I saw that we had gained a 5% listening audience in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which, I mean, that's pretty cool. So, shout out to all you guys in the U.S. Virgin Islands who listened to me while I was out hunting. Um, 5% of our listening audience is actually quite a bit, so uh, I don't know exactly how many people that equates to. But, uh, that's pretty cool. So, today, um, I didn't have a lot of time to get an episode together. But, one thing that I saw on the internet the other day did kind of strike a chord with me. So, we're going to talk about that. Um, there's another, I guess you call him, I don't know, YouTuber, TikToker. He makes Facebook videos and he does, um... He has a podcast also, and his name is Mr. Ballin. Now, I like Mr. Ballin, actually. Out of all the people out there that produce this kind of uh, media and stuff like that, he's the one, he's one of the few that is, is actually pretty decent. Um, he has a lot of really good factual stories. He's fun, he's easy to listen to, and uh, he doesn't portray a lot of his own thoughts in his videos. He kind of just tells the story, uh, which I can appreciate. Like me, who I get my opinion about well, everything. And so he told a story, and I listened to it the other day. So I was trying to fall asleep, and he had something to listen to. Um, your information, not a good video to listen to when you're trying to fall asleep. But I was hooked halfway through it, and I had to finish. So, first and foremost, this podcast is not going to talk about um, whether or not I think this video or this story in this video actually happened. We're going to look at what I believe are some important lessons learned from this story, whether or not it happened at all. Because it's basically just one guy's word that all this happened. Um, also, I'm not bragging on Mr. Ballin at all. As I said before, I, I appreciate his, his work. So he tells the story of um, a younger man who was hiking the West Coast Trail. The West Coast Trail, for those of you who don't know it, is, I believe, ah, I just had it brought up before I left, it was either 26 or 2,800 miles off the west coast of the United States, and he goes through some of the most rugged and rural land, like, imaginable, through several national forests, over mountains, um, just a crazy, crazy trail, especially for one person to do all alone. So, apparently, our young gentleman is hiking this trail, when... He's, I don't know, I think about 200 miles away from finishing. He looks up, and he's in this really thickly, densely thick, thick forest. Like, it's, the trail's basically on either side of him. He's all packed in. He can't really see. There's not a lot of sunlight. And um, <clears throat> the trail's pretty narrow. When he looks up, and he sees a man and a woman wearing all white robes. And they're disheveled, their hair is long, and, you know, understandably, he's surprised, but then he, you know, says hi, and they 
they don't say anything and they're just staring at him and he's about 20 yards off and he just continues walking towards him and continues talking to them and they don't respond and he keeps talking to them and nothing happens and they're just staring at him and so awkwardly he just you know goes past them you know what else is he supposed to do well later on that night he because of the trail being so overgrown can't put his camp right on the trail like he normally would so he hikes about 300 yards off the trail until he finds a big opening pitches his tent there eats and as he always does he throws his food over a uh, tree so that bears don't get him when he goes to bed when he wakes up in the morning his food is gone out of the tree and he thinks well a bear must have gotten it well when he looks around he sees boot marks all around his camp and not only did the boot marks lead to the tree where his food was, but the boot marks were all around his tent. These people were all around his tent. He immediately thinks it's these people in white. But you know what? He's like, you know what? They look like they were starving. Not a big deal. So he hikes for about another three days, always looking over his shoulder, never sees him again, never hears from him again. And so... On the fourth day, again, he can't really camp on the trail. He hikes about 300 yards off the trail, camps there. And apparently what's become his practice is, is he puts a bunch of dead sticks all around his tent. That way, if anything comes near his tent, they have to step on him here. So he's sleeping when he hears a crack. And then he hears another crack. And something or someone is walking right towards his tent. And so... Something's walking towards his tent, and it stops right outside his tent. Apparently, I mean, he's freaked out. Who wouldn't be freaked out? And then he says whispering starts happening, and not from the person outside his tent, but from all around the woods. And then the person outside his tent just starts, like, running laps around his tent like a crazy person. And then all of a sudden, it just stops. Um... How the person apparently got back over the sticks without making any noise, I don't know. And he's freaked out. hes I mean, who wouldn't be freaked out? He's freaked out. And he doesn't know how these people tracked him for like four days and then knew when he left the trail to go several hundred yards inland to pitch his tent. Can't figure it out. And he's never seen him again in daylight. So he goes on. Now he goes... He, he, that day he goes into a town that is on the trail spends the night there he thinks maybe i should just give up not go on he decides to go on okay he then you know hikes for two days everything's fine and the trail opens up and he's on this mountaintop and he looks down and he sees these two figures in white scrambling up the trail after him they're like i don't know half a mile away they're they're a long ways away and he's freaked out. They've been following him for what is now like almost 10 days over the course of almost over 100 miles. And he doesn't understand why they're doing this. But they're there. So he takes off running. And he runs as far as he can, as fast as he can, until it's practically dark. And then he goes like, he says like half a mile off the trail before pitching his tent again. And putting his sticks around. And... You know, he figures he's going to just sleep in his clothes and see what happens. Well, as, you know, you would expect, 
the people came back that night. They broke the sticks. There was the whispering. There was the chanting. Only this time, he, dozens of flashlights apparently lit up his tent from all directions. And he jumps out of his tent, whipping his hunting knife around, all freaked out. And he says that he saw dark figures in, like, dark robes rushing towards him. So he took off running and then hit under a log. <clears throat> Where he then watched the flashlights, like, search for him all night. And they disappeared. And he didn't go back for his stuff. He jumped up, ran down the trail in daylight, and apparently made it back to civilization. It was fun. So, that's, that is our story. Um, again no idea if it actually happened, um, and I also don't really care. What I do want to talk about are some problems, and it's really easy to, like, armchair quarterback this type of story. It's like, ah, I'd have called in an airstrike, napalmed them. Okay, we're not going to do stuff like that. We are going to what I believe is realistically kind of dig out this story and see some things that we could have done differently and how it applies to the rest of our life. So first of all, missed opportunities. I see several, several, several missed opportunities here. First, when he initially meets these people, I believe is a missed opportunity. When he initially meets these people, instead of awkwardly just going by them, I think he should have tried to talk to him more. He made like two attempts and then he just ran. Offer these people food. Build the rapport. You know? Maybe they're crazy, maybe they're not. But maybe trying to talk to these people a little bit more might have helped. Again, maybe our guy's kind of wimpy and not really confident in himself. So he just wanted to get out of there. I don't know. But I think building rapport with these people might have helped in the beginning. Second, he repeats the same mistake almost three times. And we're jumping ahead a little bit in the story, but let's look at this. He goes several hundred yards off the trail, builds his little stick barrier village around his tent, and goes to sleep thinking he's good. Now, the first night, that was probably a decent enough plan, but they figured it out. And they came after him in his tent. So why he thinks doing it a second time will provide a different result, much less doing it a third time will provide a different result. I don't know. And he keeps saying in the video, he's like, I don't understand how they tracked me off the trail. I don't understand how they tracked me off the trail. Well, here's an idea. I don't know what kind of like stick alarm system. It said that he surrounded his tent with thick dead sticks. If anyone stepped on it, they would hear him coming. This is just me. If you're dragging around thick dead sticks in the woods, that makes a lot of noise. It's probably how they found you, buddy. Um, but again, he does the same thing three times expecting a different result. Now, after the first time, maybe I can see doing it again, but I'd probably change it up. After the second time, there's no way I'm doing the same exact darn thing again. There's no way. Why would you do that? That's like... Especially after you, like, saw them coming up you on the woods, and you ran, and you knew that they were harassing you, and all the whispering and creepy stuff. Why would you do the same thing again? This is, this is stupid. This is, you know, 
Um, Tom, what was it? The uh, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Especially when your life is on the line. What is, what is wrong with you? Why do the same thing again? So here we have three things that, again, if we know they don't work, why do we do them? You know, I think, honestly, I would have been better off, I mean, the next day on that final night camping. The next day he was able to, you know, within five or six hours, run out of the woods and be done with the hike. Personally, I wouldn't have camped. Bust out that flashlight and keep running, man. I don't know. Maybe that would have been a better option than hunkering down, but all I know is a running target's a lot harder to hit than an unrunning target, than someone who's camped out in a tent, stationary. And they've never harassed him actively on the trail. They've only harassed him when he's been camping in the woods, off of the trail. So again, at least this is something different. At least this is something unknown. He knows that they can find him and that they're creepy when they do. Why keep doing it? Dark guy's kind of a numbskull, but whatever. All right. Those are our first missed opportunities, that he repeats his mistakes over and over and over again, expecting a different result, and the world only escalates around him to make everything worse. Okay, second missed opportunity. When, in between the two camping in between the two campouts where the people are messing with him and harassing him, there's the point where he's on the mountaintop and he sees the two figures uh, far off in the distance. Okay, right there. Boom. Okay. You have eyes on your enemy. They don't know you're watching, potentially. And you know where they're going to go. They are following the same trail you are on. Confrontation time. Set a trap. Do something different get some information why do the same exact thing you've been doing you now know where your enemy is and you know where he's going and what he is going to do he's already been harassed twice so why he thinks now that he actively knows these people are chasing him repeat again repeating himself is a great idea it's not but now he sees them he knows that they're coming he has a time frame he could have done something right there could have done something right then. There's only two of them. Okay, there's our next missed opportunity. And with that being said, even if he, even though he did repeat himself that third time in camping, that's another missed opportunity. He knows they found him twice, despite his best efforts. He's obviously not a master woodsman. They're going to find him. <coughs> he knows they're chasing him. I would have pitched, even if I got in that situation, how about we pitch the tent and then we lay it, then you lay 10 yards off and watch outside the tent or you booby trap the tent or something, something, something than just repeating your same mistake for a third time. And so here's the thing again, is that like he was reacting to his situation. He was reacting. He, and as you can see here, many times in the story, he freaks out and he just runs. He's reacting out of panic. He's not even reacting out of, I don't know, anything else. Out of, he's not using his brain. He's repeating the same mistakes. And it's through fear and it's through panic that he's having these problems. 
And it's because he, in my opinion, is not prepared. Step one, or our first scenario where he were he were where he was ill prepared. When he first met the people, had he been more confident in himself, and I know you guys probably are tired of hearing me say it, his combat abilities or his ability to take care of himself, he could have talked to these people, hey, do you guys need help? Maybe made friends with them. Maybe de-escalated whatever type of situation this was right from the beginning. Um, situation two, where they first harassed him that first night, he reportedly only has a small hunting knife. Okay, if I'm going to hike 2,800 miles through some of the most rugged mountains America has to offer with the strangely diverse wildlife, you know, with bears, cougars, mountain lions, apparently crazed hillbillies. I'm going to have a gun of some type. He did not. So again, he is ill-prepared. Imagine, now guns don't solve everything, because guns also need training, but imagine this scenario, if you mind. Imagine this whole story I just said, but instead of our, our, our main guy here, Let's put in a trained individual with some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu skills, some striking skills. He has a firearm, just a handgun, and he's obtained training with said firearm. This is a completely different story now. This is a completely different story. I'm not even talking like a Green Beret or anything. I'm just talking about your average Joe with a firearm who's attended, let's say, three good quality firearms instructed classes. He's been going to jiu-jitsu for maybe two years. So let's, let's say he's a blue belt. This story just completely changed. Turned it right on his ear. This story just completely changed. Because now you're not reacting out of fear. When you have confidence in yourself and confidence in your abilities, then you don't have to be afraid. I think it's Royce Gracie. Um, the Gracie family in Brazil, he had a saying, he says, your average man sees a giant walking down the road. And he says something like, oh no, what about my family? Oh no, what about all my stuff? Oh no, he could take everything from me. Oh no, what am I going to do? But the trained man, the man who's confident in his abilities, looks at the giant and just goes, huh. You want to be the man who looks at the giants of life and just says, huh, that's it. Don't react to what life throws at you. You need to attack it. Take responsibility for your surroundings, what you're going to do, and be prepared. Be prepared. If you're not prepared and actively getting better at things, life's just going to push you around. Like we see with our poor guy here in this video, life's just going to happen to you and you are going to be forced to react out of panic. He wasn't prepared. It's just going to react. You're going to react out of panic and fear and you're going to make mistakes. So be prepared. Don't react. Attack. Have a plan. Think things through. Prepare yourself. You know, and as much as I always say it, jujitsu is one of the best things a person can ever do. 
It'll build your body. It'll build your mind. It'll give you confidence. It'll give you strength. You know, you'll start walking differently. You'll start thinking differently. It makes you a better person. It makes you more humble. It makes you more, more compassionate in my mind. And then in the situation where you're being chased by hillbillies, maybe you won't make the same mistake three times and almost get end up as somebody's skin rug in a cabin. You know? One of the biggest things people don't do is take responsibility for their own personal safety and the safety of their families. As a godly man, this is your responsibility. Now imagine if he had a wife and kids in this story. They can't run as fast as this single guy did. They carry so much more stuff with them. Imagine how terrible this story would have been if the dad, husband in this story was as ill-prepared as this young man in the story was. The whole family probably would have been killed. Imagine that. You. Married with two small children, and this story happens to you. Would you have made it? I really want you to think about it. This is a situation where you cannot call for help. You only have what you brought with you and your skills. Would you have made it? Think about it. Your skills and your equipment, were you, would you have been prepared? And, you know, I don't want you to laugh this off, your average guy. Ah, I'd have brought a flamethrower. Of course I'd have been prepared. <clears throat> now, let's be realistic. You have on you what you normally take camping or hunting or hiking, you know. You didn't bring your bazooka. You have your skills and a gun, what you normally would have brought. Are those skills enough? Depends. I really want you to think about it. I'm not going to sit here and, again, armchair quarterback the thing and saying that me and my family would have survived. Do you guys want to know the biggest missed opportunity in this entire story, though? The big, blaring, obvious one is after the second time he was harassed and he was in the town and he decides to continue on with the hike even though he's being chased and harassed instead of staying in the town calling his family getting a ride and leaving that was the biggest mistake <coughs> right there hands down biggest mistake They've already harassed him twice. He doesn't even contact the police in this small town. When he gets to the town at the end, he talks to the police. He doesn't even contact the police in this small town where he's at the first time after the second night of being creepy. He doesn't... He, he elects not to stay there. It is the biggest mistake. If you are safe, finally, stay safe. If you are in a bad situation where people are actively trying to hurt you and your loved ones and you find yourself all of a sudden in a safe situation, stay there. There's a really famous drill. It's called the box drill that um, the FBI uh, designed. It's where they put you in a box. Well, not in a box. It's a box on the floor. It's just taped on the floor. It's like a little three by three square. And they tell you your goal is to get out of the room 
there's a door maybe 20, 30 feet away. You have to get out that door. And I tell you, as long as you're in your box, you are safe. So they put you standing in it, and then like five big guys with baseball bats come in. And almost 100% of the people attack. And of course, they get just completely thrashed. And then they reset. They do it again and again and again and again. Until eventually the person figures out that if they stay in the box, one by one, their people just over the course of like an hour, one by one, those five guys walk away one at a time until they're all gone. And you can walk out the door by yourself. And it's a drill designed to show and to teach that if you are in a dangerous situation, again, where people are trying to hurt you, and then you find a safe haven where they can't, consider staying there. All he knew at this point was they had harassed him, they'd stole his food, and then been creepy to him one night. And he only, at this point, knew there was only two of them. He could have stayed in this town. And did the whole hike. He could have maybe bought some things in this town to better prepare himself. This town definitely probably had firearms. Bear spray. Something other than your small hunting knife that obviously you don't know how to use. He could have stayed there and ended his hike and got himself out safe before it escalated. Or he could have better prepared himself before he continued. He didn't either. These are, this is, right here is the biggest mistake this person made. See, let his pride in wanting to finish this hike overcome his personal safety. I tell you, me personally, had all this happened to me and then I'm in a town, I'm not continuing the hike. I'm probably going to tell the police. And then I'm, I'm gone. It's a hike. It's not worth your life. With an enemy that knows the terrain, supposedly can find you, even when you go several mi several hundred yards off the trail, and is you're outnumbered, why would you go on? It's idiocy. So anyway, guys, I'm here at work. That's about it for the podcast. Um, I enjoyed talking to you this morning. <clears throat> probably going to get another gear review uh, podcast up and going, hopefully um, this week, if not this week, then next week, um, along with our normal uh, morning podcast. Again, thank you to all my listeners in Guam. If anybody has any thoughts or questions or things they'd like me to talk about, please do email me at thoughts while I drive to work at gmail.com. I'll all one word, no spaces, no caps. Thoughts while I drive to work at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to pray for us. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for this day. Thank you that we can all be here. Let's pray for my listeners, Lord, that if there's anyone out there that doesn't know you, that, that Lord, that your, your love would be shown to them and their heart would be convicted and that they come to know you. I pray for our day as we go about that we would seize opportunities, we'd not be pushed around that we would be strong and prepared. Lord, I love you. You name me, man. All right, guys. Thank you for another thrilling episode of Thoughts While I Drive to Work. Hey, 
Thanks again for tuning in and listening to another episode of Thoughts While I Drive to Work. If you guys have any questions you want to ask me, you want answered, or topics you'd like me to cover, or things you'd like me to dig into and then uh, read aloud on the podcast, or you just want to say what's up, go ahead and shoot me an email at thoughtswhileidrivetowork at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces, no caps. Thoughtswhileidrivetowork at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces, no caps. You can also find me on Patreon. If you just go to Patreon's website and search for Thoughts While I Drive to Work, it should bring me right up. We have uh, right now only one membership level, but we'll be adding more with exclusive content and deals um, with at Thoughts While I Drive to Work. And if you want to find out what that exclusive content is, well, you have to pay me. Have a good day, guys.